This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Paul Oldham, CFO of Advanced Energy, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 482. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Wilco Gronheisen, CFO of NovoCure. Now, some of you may have heard of NovoCure. The company uh, boasts of having come up with a fourth modality for treating cancer. And cancer is treated, uh, as you know, in several ways uh, today, depending on each patient's medical condition and the type of cancer. But, you know, common treatments involve chemotherapy and radiation therapy. This treatment involves alternating electric fields that disrupt uh, cancer cell division and can cause uh, the cell to die. Uh, So it's pretty novel, as uh, Wilco will explain. And as for Wilco himself and his sort of sprawling career, which uh, has involved or spanned three uh, different continents, now he's had multiple CFO tours of duty already in the biotech realm, but for years he was in manufacturing and in fact was the CFO of Philips North America. Uh, So we'll touch on that, how he made that transition, and actually much more. He has a uh, sort of a forthright manner that I think you'll enjoy. We begin after these words from our sponsor. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful.com at planful.com. Hello, we're speaking to Wilco Gronheis. 
CFO of NovoCure, a commercial stage oncology uh, company. Wilco, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. As always, uh, Wilco, we'd like to ask our, our finance leaders to look back for us and share a few of the details, a few of the experiences they feel uh, prepared them for a finance leadership role. What comes to mind for you? Yeah, I don't want to look too far back, uh, but, but more recent experiences. I, I spent a long time, uh, about 25 years, with, uh, with Philips Electronics. Uh, started in the Netherlands, had various uh, positions within, uh, within Philips. Probably the more interesting is I spent a few years with the mergers and acquisitions department. Uh, then I went to Asia, was the CFO for Philips Thailand uh, for a few years. And after that, I came to the States and had a, a couple of positions in the States for Philips. The last one uh, was um, uh, CFO of Philips North America, uh, upon which I decided to, uh, to, to move to another industry, another company, which turned out to be uh, Cephalon. Uh, Cephalon was acquired by Teva, and that brought me to, uh, to Novacure, where uh, we're building a new oncology therapy and, and, and commercializing that in, in three continents right now. And you just mentioned you, you underscored the transition there. Many finance leaders will spend their entire careers in one industry. Why? Because you, you sort of have to learn how to drive over again in certain respects. Or no, what would you tell us about that transition that you made and, uh, and some of your thinking at the time? Yeah, I, I think I like your analogy, and driving isn't that difficult. Sometimes the steering wheel is on the left side of the car, sometimes on the right side of the car, sometimes you have an automatic transmission, sometimes you have a manual transmission. Once you figure it out, it, it'll, it'll work out. So I think the challenge and the excitement about the challenge and the commitment to, uh, to, to, to help patients in our particular case is, is, is the overriding factor. And the complexities or the hurdles, uh, if, if you enjoy complexity and enjoy taking hurdles, it's only a bonus. Did you at any time second guess? I, 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 I severely doubt you second guessed yourself. But at the same time, I, you were a brand. You were a known entity in the finance realm inside uh, manufacturing. It is a big, a big tr transition to go over to uh, an early stage uh, biopharmaceutical company. Just one last pushback on that. What was your thinking? Was there, was there something you thought you'd find more satisfying? The satisfying part was probably the ability to uh, have impact in, in a company with great potential and great growth uh, possibilities and, and build a finance team, build an, a finance group that's integrated in the overall uh, business and not a separate part of a business or focused on reporting instead of focused on added, adding value to, uh, to the overall business proposition. So. It is a smaller organization. Certainly, Novacure at the time that I joined, it was much smaller than Philips was when I left uh, Philips. But the opportunity to, to build something, to have a direct impact, uh, to bring a new oncology treatment modality to, uh, to the market that many people could benefit from was, was so exciting that I didn't have the time nor the ambition to think twice. I wanna, uh, I'll move on after this one question. I just find it interesting. You had a very global career as well, having worked on a number of different continents. And as you uh, meet your peers, your, your other finance leaders here in the U.S. who are perhaps more homegrown, came up through the ranks here, does your career uh, differ in, in any types of experience? Do you think you – and, again, I guess you were in M&A, so you acquired certain things, but certainly executives in the U.S. are also very much involved in M&A. But did you acquire any other experiences, do you think, that 
um, do you find that your domestic peers don't necessarily have here in the U.S.? I'm not sure that domestic peers wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have particular qualities. I think, I think an international career uh, uh, can only be successful if, if you have an open mind to understand cultural differences, understand uh, people being different and accept that. And, 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 and I think uh, peers that have not moved across the world but have the trait of, of, of being able to handle these situations can be just as successful. So I don't think, I don't think it's a hurdle. I think having the international perspective is, 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 is helpful, but not having it is not necessarily a limitation. Well, I mentioned up front that NovoCure is a commercial stage oncology company. I think we've had a number of uh, earlier stage ones. To my way uh, of understanding, that means that your, your, your offerings are being commercialized today. And this is me stepping in <laughs> sort of backwards saying, okay, tell us about NovoCure and tell us about this stage that it's currently in. Yeah, I think you, you kicked it off really well. Uh, we are a commercial stage oncology company. Uh, we've developed a completely uh, novel uh, therapy, uh, perhaps the, 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 third, the fourth modality of cancer treatment. So three existing modalities are surgery, uh, radiation therapy, and, and, and all kinds of, of, of chemotherapy. Uh, we're commercializing a new treatment modality based on, on fundamental uh, physics. We call it the TT Fields, or the brand name Optune. We're currently approved for, for the treatment of, of glioblastoma, which is a very aggressive uh, primary uh, brain cancer. We've been commercializing that in the United States, in Europe, and, and, and in Japan uh, since, since a few years ago. And we have a substantial opportunity in, in, in helping all kinds of other patients in, in, in future indications that are based on the same mechanism of action. And we're running uh, three phase three trials right now on brain metastases, non-small cell lung cancer, and, uh, and pancreatic cancer. And we expect to start a fourth one uh, this year. Now, you mentioned a number of countries, including Japan. And I'm curious, not knowing uh, the circumstances, uh, is that uh, a, an obvious country to be involved in this type of work, or is there a reason uh, that NovoCure has, has that uh, relationship with Japan? No, it's, it's a very interesting country to, to, to develop an, an oncology uh, therapy. Uh, we are uh, not a chemo, as I said. We're not radiation therapy. We're not surgery. Uh, but we do deliver our uh, therapy through a device uh, which creates an, an, a field of force uh, between two um, uh, what we call uh, transducer arrays uh, in, influencing the um, negatively influencing the uh, uh, cell division of targeted uh, cancer cells. And, and, of course, Japan is a market that is, tends to be receptive to new technologies, new treatment modalities, is well-developed. And, and we thought entering the, the Japanese market as a first market in Asia was, was, was something that, that made sense at the time, and, and it turned out to be the case. Now, tell us about your arrival at NovoCure, and uh, what was the opportunity that you really uh, wanted to sink your teeth into, that you really saw, okay, here's where I can realize this, this ambition of mine. What is it that, that attracted you? What attracted me most were probably two factors. One was that, that fourth treatment modality that I talked about. It's completely novel. Uh, it was groundbreaking, at least uh, what I, that's what I thought then. It's what I still think. Uh, and the other, the other opportunity was what we talked about a few minutes ago, the, the ability to, to build an organization, to set up uh, a finance organization within an overall uh, organization that was growing at the same time. And, and the combination of, of those two 
fundamental aspects got me excited about joining the Novature team and, and I ended up doing that in the beginning of 2012 and have enjoyed every moment since. Now, uh, back at Phillips Electronics, I, clearly the finance team was large, quite large, and here you're setting up a team, as you described. Um, what are the, the components of that team? How do you look at it? It, it would seem to me that, that uh, it's such a different playing field that, that you might structure your team a little differently. You might have different priorities, um, and I'm sure you've had different sort of epiphanies along the way. What's, what's the way to do this? What's not the way to do this? The way, the way I approached it at Novocure was not try to fill requirements of, of, of today or staff a team that met whatever the needs of today or tomorrow was, um, but hire as talented people as, 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 as we could find or as I could find to build a team that I knew would meet requirements two, three, four years uh, down the road. So we're constantly building the, and continue to build the Novocure finance team so that we're totally confident that we'll meet today's requirements, but also meet requirements uh, two years down the road. And that, that's been our philosophy, uh, and it has not changed since the day I joined Novocure. Now, does your team resemble every other oncology company at, at, at the same level of growth? I mean, is it, is it just typical? Is there anything else? Uh, you know, is there a data expertise you might have incorporated? Is there something unique about the research that's going on that you wanted greater lines of sight into it uh, for whatever reason? I think I think I look at people that join the Novocure finance team slightly differently. I think I think they need to be very talented individuals, highly educated individuals, and very persistent individuals. So, folks that are not excited about um, and passionate about the Novocure proposition and the fourth modality uh, will not enjoy being on the finance team at Novocure. If you like taking hurdles, will not back away from any challenge that's faced you. Uh, Novacure Finance is a, is a great place to spend time and, 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 and be participating and have impact on our overall journey. So at this stage, at this commercial stage in the company's development, what exactly are the, the numbers that you're paying close attention to, the metrics? Yeah, the, the, co the core metrics are the obvious ones. It's, it's, it's how many active patients do we have. We're currently approved for, for, for GBM, which, which luckily is, is, is a relatively rare disease. There's about 13,000 people in the States diagnosed with, with GBM uh, per year. Uh, about 9,000, 9,500 are eligible for treatment with, uh, with, with Optune. So the number of active patients, although relatively low, it's in the thousands, is, is, is a very important uh, uh, factor for us. So that's a key, a key metric that we closely pay attention to, is being fed by um, scripts, which we monitor closely as well, and, 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 and patient starts. Uh, and of course, the, the obvious things like, like revenue, cash burn, managing operating expenses, creating operating leverage, uh, are perhaps another three or four core metrics that we pay close attention to. Does it surprise you sometimes which uh, which numbers are perhaps the hardest to, to get your, your arms around or your team is always trying to sort of uh, polish a certain number that just doesn't doesn't always come forward? I guess I'm, I'm trying to figure out the visibility you have into the organization and whether um, there are certain challenges in one area more than another. Yeah, we, we, we have great visibility. Uh, a few years ago, we've decided to make the commitment and, 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 the, and, and deploy the resources to implement SAP company-wide. 
which means we have the same data, we have integral data, and the availability of data is, 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 is secured. And that enables us to have a direct, almost real-time uh, visibility to, to the core data that I just mentioned in, 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 in cockpit reporting and things like that. Had you had at, at Phillips, did they use SAP or um, your decision-making around going that path? And, and I'm not looking for an endorsement here. I'm just wondering, you get it from all sides sometimes from these technology developers, and I'm wondering how you, uh, you were able to narrow it down and, and just confidently say, yes, let's go here, let's go this way. Yeah, we, we, we went with SAP. Uh, uh, and it's not about whether it's SAP or something else. I think what's important is that uh, it is one system and it's one ERP integrated throughout the various functions, throughout the various geographies. So we have one integrated system, as I said, that creates uniformity of processes, that creates clarity of data and creates availability of information. Is there a, uh, a non-financial uh, uh, metric, and, and I guess you just mentioned one, active patients. Are, are there other non-financial metrics that you're paying close attention to these days? Yeah, so we're looking at leading and lagging indicator, whether they're financial or non-financial. And at the end of the day, revenue, cash flow, profitability are, are mostly lagging indicators. So we're looking at leading, leading indicators. Scripts is one. Um, active patients is another one. Uh, turnovers, DSO are, are, are a few other ones. But another factor that, that's totally non-financial but is very important for a successful organization is, for instance, employee engagement. And that's something we focus on a lot as well. So it's, it's a comprehensive set of core metrics with focused on, on, on leading and lagging, indicator where, uh, lagging indicators where if you monitor and, and, and pay attention, take action on those leading indicators, you're going to see success in those la lagging indicators. Okay, so we want to ask you for a finance strategic moment, and uh, this is where over the course of your career, and I'm sure you've had many moments of strategic insight, but if you could just share one with us uh, today that's sort of uh, when you identified an opportunity or a risk or, or something else, and you, uh, you responded, you, you uh, decided to take a different path, you decided to avoid a risk, whatever it may have been. Anything come to mind? Yeah, a number of things come to mind, but I, I think I think we should also not think of strategic moments as finance strategic moments, or sales and marketing strategic moments, or engineering strategic moments, or manufacturing strategic moments. It's think of us like uh, think of a business as a football team. You, you need a great quarterback, but you need an offensive line as well. Without the protection of an offensive line, the quarterback cannot cannot play the way he, he should play. Um, and I think. From that perspective, if, if there's a financial strategic moment that's not supported or not recognized or doesn't create a, a, a sense of urgency within the rest of the organization, it will not create that team building, that synergy that, that is, and every and any successful organization will have. And, and any examples are fairly straightforward examples, right? At some point in time, the burn rate of, of, of a particular organization was too high and we felt that something needed to be done. It was intensively discussed a management team, and we took certain actions that that improved operating leverage and, and reduced burn rate. And, and I, there are many more examples like that, but I think it's not about an individual financial example. It's about creating a team where there's a synergistic effect that, that makes an organization, or a sports team for that matter, uh, better.
We enter the mentoring round with CFO Wilco Gronheisen after this. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Okay, so we want to uh, move to the mentoring round where I get to ask you several quick questions. Uh, and they're intended to inspire as well as uh, inform uh, finance leaders. What is it, after this long career that you've had, what is it that's exciting you now about finance and business? I think it's a continue, continued evolution and a continued challenges and, and, and the ability in finance to, and you mentioned it earlier on in one of your earlier questions, you can go from one industry to another industry in, in, in finance. As long as your fundamentals are solid and as long as your ambition is high, as long as your willingness to, to address whatever challenge is put in front of you, I think finance is a great part of an organization to develop a career either within the same industry or across industry within a certain geographical environment or across certain geographical environments. So it's it's a platform from which you can grow pretty much anywhere uh, you want to grow as long as you put the effort in and, 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 and deal with challenges that you're faced with. Now, at some point, um, as you served as a CFO in multiple areas, multiple companies, when you first stepped into that role and you had the leadership responsibilities that came with it, what is it that you wish someone had told you? Again, you could have a wonderful experience, but never have all the responsibility fall on your shoulders. When it does come down on you, what is it that you wish someone had told you? I, I wish my father had told me that once you become a CFO, you, it's, you're not the president. It's not you say something and everybody else says yes and, 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 and do it. Uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, a good CFO or any good leader, for that matter, listens to the entire organization and, and creates – and a common understanding and a common platform. And I think that's something that's very difficult to, 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 to appreciate in the beginning of your career because people can tell you, and I'm sure somebody told me at that point in my career, but, but experiencing it and, and, and developing is, is, is something you have to do yourself. I, I, want, I have to ask you about communication. As someone who, uh, you speak, obviously, you speak uh, a number of languages, uh, communication's always been a key part of uh, building your career. What uh, Was there a time in your career where you realized you needed to uh, uh, grow your skills in relations uh, to communications? Maybe it was when you began talking to investors regularly. I don't know. But uh, tell us about your uh, development of your communication skills. I, th I, think, I think core is understanding um, how people react to what you communicate. And I think Speaking multiple languages helps. Uh, going to Thailand without speaking Thai was not great, but fortunately the people there were willing to speak English with me. But developing a Thai language skills certainly, certainly helped. Uh, I think 
Uh, inventor English is different from engineering English. It's different from commercial English. So it is, it, it is understanding how your words are being received by others and also understanding what the meaning is that others have when they, when they talk to you. So it is, I think it's just normal human interaction that, 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 that you have to develop and constantly uh, pay attention to. Now, just um, let, let me ask, did, did you study the Thai language? I did for a while, so that's, that's I think, my, my, my greatest ambition and the one hurdle I could not take. So I, I did speak, speak, was able to speak Thai at some level, but it was more conversational Thai, and that uh, some people would, might even disagree with that. Difficult language to learn at a later age when, uh, uh, when you basically grew up uh, speaking Dutch most of the time. Uh, do you have a personal habit or a daily routine you believe has contributed to your professional success in one way? Sleeping well. I think it's important that you sleep well. Let me let me ask this. So no. Uh, my, wi- my wife claims I'm excellent at that. Do you no smartphone uh, in, in bed? No, you're not looking at emails. <laughs> I, I, I'm led to believe blue light from uh, iPads and smartphones aren't. Uh, uh, you know, can deprive you of sleep. I don't know if you buy by that, but do you have any habits related to that? How do you get a good sleep? Less caffeine in the afternoon? Don't know. No, I think I think it's important that you relax and, and, and sleep well and, and rest well so you can tackle the problems of, of the day. And, and I'm not kidding. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer in that. It's important that whatever whatever bothers you before you go to sleep, let, let, it, let it go. Uh, you're not going to. Uh, be any better at, at dealing with these issues if, if you haven't slept well. So sleep well and deal with your issues when you're awake. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? Yeah, the, 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 the book I would recommend, uh, unfortunately it's in Dutch, so it's probably your uh, uh, the Dutch contingent of, of people that are, that are listening to this, although it is translated in English. Uh, it, it, it's actually in English called Soldier of Orange. Uh, it, it's a book I read many, many years ago. It's not a great book, but there's one big lesson in that, in, in, in that particular book, and it describes at some point in time that opportunities only exist for a very short period of time. When you, when you face them and you can see them, if you like the opportunity, grab the opportunity and make the best of it. If, if the opportunity uh, is gone, it's gone forever, and it makes no sense to worry about what you might or could have done. It's, it's gone, and then you're better off looking forward and grab the next opportunity. Okay, our final question. Over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader? The next priority is, 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 is nothing revolutionary. It's probably evolutionary. Uh, next 12 months, we need to figure out what our finance organization in 2022 should start looking like and start building and start building that. We'd like to help more patients in their struggle with, in their fight with, uh, with cancer. We're going to run, run our clinical trials that I just mentioned. We're going to continue to build a successful company. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an exciting period to be in. It's a great company to be a part of. And, and, and we're on our growth path and we'll continue to do so. Wilco Gronheisen, thank you for joining us on CFO Talk. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, 
check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.